are listening to the Living Room North Living Room North Podcast. Does anybody in the room have anything that they're just kind of unashamedly into? Uh, anything that you honestly, you just, you, you, sir, you got something? Yeah, I see, I see that hand. Oh, patriotic Crocs. That's definitely one of the things you're unashamed about. Whether you just, hey, you're just like, you know what? I, I don't care. I love this, you know, and kind of buddy the elf. I don't even care who knows it. You know, that kind of thing, right? For me, um, unashamedly, I am a Tennessee volunteer fan, okay? Yeah. Now, listen, you, you can hate on that. Actually, I was a little surprised by the cheers. Um, but here's the thing. I'm, I'm from Knoxville. I went to school in Knoxville. I went to the University of Tennessee, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a proud Vol, all right? Even though the last 10, 12, you know, 13 million years, we've been a dumpster fire as it relates to a college football program, but I still, I still bleed orange. My family bleeds orange. I'm unashamed of that. Bless the Lord. Thank you. Preach it. The other thing I'm unashamed about is, um, quite honestly, I love to belt at the top of my lungs um, almost every chorus to almost every Katy Perry song. Um, and, uh, you know, whether you like Katy Perry or not, I believe she has an amazing voice and I sound a lot like her. Um, unashamed of that. Last thing I would say is, this is a little gross, but it's true. I, I, I don't care who knows this. Um, <laughs> I'm unashamed about this, but uh, I'm a huge fan of Dr. Pimple Popper. Anybody with me? Yes? Okay. That's a little too much. Uh, if you don't know what this phenomenon is, um, Dr. Pimple Popper, a.k.a. Dr. Sandra Lee, one of God's gifts to the dermatology profession, um, on YouTube several years ago, just started throwing up these crazy videos of her popping pimples or zits, whatever, whatever term you want to use. It got so much traction that she now has a hit show on TLC. No, no joke. So I am unashamed of the fact that sometimes you might find me late at night, cozying up with a blanket, and Dr. Pimple Popper just watching her just rip into some blackheads, Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm unashamed of that. What about you guys? Anything that you're unashamed about? Any, anybody in the crowd that like, hey, if you're honest, I mean, like, I, I, I'm unashamed about the fact that I love, I'm obsessed with, I never miss an episode of The Bachelor. Anybody? Okay. Uh, interesting. Uh, no judgment. I would, I would never say you shouldn't watch that trash, um, but you shouldn't watch that trash. Um, Harry Potter fans. In the house. Yeah, I know there's always someone somewhere, Harry Potter. The reality is we, we have things like that, right? That you're, you're unashamed for. You, you, you don't care. You, you don't care who knows it. You're super proud. And uh, you love it. Sometimes even borderline obsessed with it. Um, and you're unapologetically unashamed. Because <laughs> you probably have a really good reason for it. Uh, this, uh, this series that we're launching tonight, uh, we're calling Unashamed. And uh, during the next few weeks, we're actually going to be uh, looking um, at what the Apostle Paul has to say uh, about a few things, uh, particularly through the Church of Rome. And so uh, we try every now and again uh, at the living room to work our way through and teach about kind of major themes that we might find in a certain book in the New Testament or the Old Testament. And for the next four weeks, we are going to be in Romans. And so the reason why we're doing this is because actually straight out of the text, 
Paul actually mentions this word, and I would say it's kind of the, the key text to the main theme, uh, if you will. So carry, uh, follow along. Uh, we're going to put things on the screens if this is your first time. And so um, here we go. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Everybody say gospel. gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. The word gospel literally means um, good news, that, that God has good news for human beings, which I think is pretty amazing. I mean, how cool is that, that God, who created everything, the heavens and the earth, has good news for us. He has good news for you and for me. And the good news, you're like, well, okay, I've kind of heard that, but I've always been a little unsure. Like, what is the good news? Like, like really? Well, I like saying it this way. The good news is that though humanity has a devastatingly great need, we have a devastatingly great need that leads to death. The work of Jesus saves us and leads us to life. So the good news is that the death and resurrection of Jesus allows us to be saved from our sin. Maybe you've, you've heard that terminology before, but that is the good news as we see it. And some of you, you might be in all sorts of parts of the spectrum, whether you grew up in church or tonight is your very first time here at church. Uh, maybe you have a, an ongoing, flourishing relationship with this Jesus character. Maybe some, you're, you're a little at me. I don't know. I mean, I love the Sour Patch Kids and I love the ladies here. That's about as far as I go. All right? But here's the reality. I think the, the truth is um, we all have stuff going on. And so if, if you've ever felt like something was missing in your life, there's good news for you. If you ever felt like you've, you've struggled with the same sin over and over again, and you kind of say, and maybe you plead and you cry out to God, hey, I don't want to do this again. And three hours later, you're like, ah, what is going on? And it leaves you feeling depressed. And there's good news for you. And maybe for some of you in the room tonight, uh, maybe you're not a Jesus follower. And you've never ever put your faith in Jesus. There's good news for you. And maybe for some of you, uh, you struggle with this fact that I will never measure up to God. There's no way that with all of my junk that I will ever, ever meet his standard for me. If you struggle in that area, I want to tell you that tonight and the series that we have coming up in the next few weeks, there is good news for you. I would say Paul's letter uh, to the church in Rome is honestly one of the most important writings um, that humankind has, has ever experienced. You ask a lot of scholars, they would potentially say the same thing. Um, here's the thing, though. If somebody asked me, hey, what would you rate as the number one first place books of the Bible, New Testament or Old, what would you go to? Well, I'd have to say, you know, tied for first is Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. The Gospels, the narrative of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and him walking around with his disciples, I would say that's first place. Close second, Romans. All right, so if you've never spent time there, I will tell you it is unbelievable because, and what we will see, it just talks about this great gospel and what Jesus has done on our behalf. And so if you've ever been curious about what Christians believe or what is the foundation of our faith or this idea of sin or sinner or Jesus on the cross and any of that, we can find in Romans. You see, for Paul, um, the gospel was news that he was really excited about. 
And he actually was met with a ton of contention and hostility in Rome, but he didn't care because something happened in his life that where he was so excited to tell whoever would listen what he personally believed. He was unashamed of this gospel, of this good news. And no matter how much he would get ridiculed, no matter how much his, uh, his um, credibility would wane, no matter how much his popularity would go in the ditch, he was unashamed of the gospel of Jesus. This is what he says. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. You see, what, what, what Paul believes and what uh, a lot of you who might be sitting next to you believes is that the power of God is to bring salvation to anyone and everyone who believes, that we, we believe this idea that we have been rescued, that if you trust in Jesus, you have been rescued by him. So essentially, this is, this verse right here, Romans 1.16, essentially is the theme verse for the remainder of the letter. And I would say, uh, basically getting at the power of God that saves us. You know, if you thought about that before, what, the power of God, well, what, what can it really do? How does it really save us? Well, the power of God in, in my own personal life and, and what we'll see in Paul and what he'll talk about, the, the, the power of God that saves us um, from our old way of life um, that would lead to a lot of regret. Um, the power of God that saves us from an old way of life that would lead to death and destruction. The power of God that saves us from an old way of life that would ultimately lead to an eternal separation from God. And so this idea that, that God has made a way, that he's got this power to help us and something that Paul is unashamed with, this good news. I mean, to me, that really is good news. And everyone, honestly, like if you thought about it back then, I mean, if there, if there was anyone um, who got this unashamed concept, it was Paul, because he understood the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Now, some of you might not know a little bit about Paul and his background. This is why I think um, he was unashamed in that. Uh, uh, kind of some brief history there. We, we first hear about Paul um, after the books of the New Testament, essentially in Acts. And so basically, uh, Paul kind of pops up on the screen after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And you need to know that Paul, Paul was basically a zealous Pharisee, all right? To, to, to put it mildly, he did not like Christians or this Christianity movement at all. In fact, he made every single attempt to wage war to just knock out this new movement, uh, this Jesus movement. And so uh, we would see um, that he was actually in charge of some persecutions of Christians multiple times. Uh, one most notable, uh, the stoning uh, of St uh, Stephen. So he basically made it his life's mission to squash out this movement. We then kind of come to this moment um, where he's on, this, this place, or on the road to this place called Damascus. Uh, basically, again, on his way to persecute um, and annihilate some more Christians. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, uh, we're told that this, basically this blinding light hits him. And he has this encounter with the resurrected Jesus. And so it actually blinds him. 
which is pretty crazy. And after that, honestly, Paul's life changes forever. Because three days later, his sight would come back, and then all of a sudden, Paul, you know, three or just, you know, however many hours beforehand, hey, I am locked and loaded. I'm doing away with Jesus followers. I don't really want much about Jesus. This is what my life is about. Boom, encounter with the resurrected Jesus, wakes up, you know, has sight, and it's like, all right, you know what? I'm going to spend the rest of my life not being ashamed of what has happened to me and preaching this amazing good news. You see, I think Paul was so unashamed of the gospel because he had an understanding of how far off he was and how much Jesus saved him from. And honestly, it would have been nothing short of the power of God to change Paul's heart and redirect his life. Now, something that I would love for you to ponder, um, especially the Jesus followers in the room, I'm not sure you have thinking of, uh, thought about this lately, so I would ask, hey, when is the last time that you actually thought about the gospel as powerful? Because sometimes we could believe that the gospel, the good news, is just a church thing, and it's not. Sometimes we could believe it's a, it's a feel-good thing, and it's not. Sometimes we think it's a religion thing. No, the gospel is a powerful force that rescues you and me. But to really, in fact, we can't even unpack it all, but to really, really understand the magnitude of its power, the magnitude of what God has done on our behalf, we have to understand the depth of our problem. So let's take a little deep dive. Paul writes a little bit later, he says, for all, what's that word, second word? All, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now I will tell you, um, any conversation about this idea of sin, usually people kind of, whoa, now pump the brakes. I don't like talking about this stuff, all right? I don't like anyone maybe holding up a mirror to what I've got going on. All right, oh, I've heard this before. It's the whole hell speech, where I'm going, all of that. I understand. But I would just ask for you to kind of maybe, hey, lean in and see what uh, Paul has to say. We have all sinned. We've all committed wrong in our lives. And as a result, we have fallen short of God's perfect standard. And I think Paul, more than anyone, understood this. But here's the hard reality. I think it's kind of worse than that. Um, uh, us sinning, this verb, um, is really the result of a deeper problem. It's like Ellen and I, we have three boys, and um, sometimes they'll get sick, and they'll start showing those symptoms. And being as the dad who wants to fix everything, sometimes we'll be like, Ellen, we'll just, you know, uh, throw essential oils all over him. Uh, or, you know, like, hey, g give him this uh, Tylenol or whatever. And Ellen, of course, being, you know, a 10 times better parent than I am, she always reminds me, hey, there's probably an infection somewhere underneath. There's probably a deeper issue going on. And I would tell you, um, there's something deeper than just sinning going on. And Paul understood that. So if our biggest problem was actually just a verb, that we just kind of are, are sinning every now and again, um, 
well, if that was the, the case, then we could probably fix it, right? Well, I'm just going to fix it with really good behavior. I'm going to read all sorts of self-help books. Help books. I'm going to try as hard as I can because, again, this is just, it's just a verb, right? I could really work hard. I could really beat this. But us sinning, uh, the verb, um, is a symptom of a real problem. See, us being sinners, a noun is the issue. Paul will write a little bit later and talk about this. He says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. While we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. This is the problem. Ungodly. We were unlike God. God is perfect. God is holy. He knows nothing else. Us, not so much. The exact opposite. We're actually born into this sin. And as a result, all of us, all of us, every single one in this room, you and me, were born ungodly. The hard part for me in hearing that is just sometimes that you, you seem like you're powerless hearing that, that I can't change this reality. And here's, here's another tough pill to swallow is that there's really no good deeds uh, that you could ever do to change that. We were powerless to do anything about it. But the, the rest of this, I think, is good news. We were powerless to do anything, but God through Christ was powerful enough to do something. Paul continues. He says, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. He keeps writing. But God demonstrates his own love for us, for us, you and me, in this, while we were still sinners, while we were still caught up in this massive, deep root issue of ungodliness, separation from him, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God proved, God showed, God demonstrated his love for you and me by sending Jesus for us while we were still sinners. The word sinner here, a lot of different definitions. Uh, I like the one that's uh, basically, hey, um, describing someone who is incompatible with God. Um, that's what sin did. It, it made us incompatible with God. Like oil and water doesn't, can't mix. Apple and Android, same thing, can't mix. Incompatible with each other. Our state of sin made us incompatible with God. And at our worst, though, and this is what Paul was unashamed about, at our worst, Jesus gave us his best. Paul goes on. He says, therefore, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. Sin entered the world through one man. Anybody know his name? Adam. Yes, Adam Johnson. Just kidding. Just kidding. Inside joke for a few. Uh, no, this guy Adam, which some of you probably heard about. He was the first man. Okay, and because of that, all of us were born into sin. 
All of us were born into sin even before we had ever sinned. And the result of this sin, here's the hard news, is that death came with it. In a, in a funny way, um, but a true way, sin always has a plus one. And it's death. Sin, the verb, not only kills every good thing in our life, we'll talk about that actually next week, but the noun we were born with into keeps us separated from God, which ultimately leads us to death and a life separated from a loving God. So I think this is really important, and I, I don't want you to miss this. And um, I've got an illustration. I, I hope I do it well. Um, I think it's pretty basic. I saw this from a, a few years ago, and I thought, oh, that is, that is so clear. And so if you can't see in the back, you know, on uh, my right, your left, in this category, we have Adam. So Adam being the first man, Adam sinned. And then sin erupted into the world. And for every now, ever since Eden, ever since the dawn of Adam, we are born into this because we are associated. We come from his line. All right, so essentially, like if you think about it, you're like, uh, all right, your cute little Sour Patch Kids. I thought, we love Sour Patch Kids. I'm going to use these. All right? So everyone, Adam is in here. And because Adam brought sin into the world, because we're from Adam, he's tainted the whole thing. All of us. All of us have sinned. Um, your cute little grandmother, sinned. <laughs> sinner. Um, your mom, sinner. Your dad, sinner. Uh, Billy Graham, Sinner. Uh, who else do you want to think about? Louis Giglio, sinner. My wife, Ellen. Put her here. Uh, <laughs> I stole that joke. Um, sinner. Uh, my three children, right now, sinners. Um, very sinful. Very sinful. Um, so Adam, from Genesis, from the dawn, uh, when he entered into the world, he affected all people, everyone, everyone in here, every single person that you've known, every single person that you've looked up to, every single person that you would say, I, I, they're a good person, all the people in your lives, your sweet teachers, again, your relatives, everybody, every single person that has ever been born, will be born, or will walk this earth falls into this ca category. <laughs> they got congealed backstage. I knew that was going to happen. Um, so stay with me. All of us in this category, all of us in this camp of being born with sin. The problem is we're stuck there. We're powerless to get ourselves out. One of the most hardest um, scriptures from the Bible that I, that I have ever had to wrestle with is, while we are utterly helpless with no means of escape, because of our sin, we are utterly helpless with no means of escape. We stood judged before God in our sin, destined to be eternally separated from the God who loves us. But the good news here. It's God made a way. 
the good news to humans is the power of God to save us did something when we couldn't do something. Paul goes on to say, he says this, hey, consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, all of us in Adam, in the Adam bucket, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. The righteous act that Paul is talking about here is what Jesus did on our behalf. When we could do nothing at all, Jesus paid it all. When we were just dead in our transgressions and in our sin, and sin plus one equals death, staring death in the face, God, through the power and the death of Jesus on the cross, he took our place. He took our punishment. He bore our sins. And those who believe in that, place their faith in that, find a right standing with Christ, with Jesus. If you've ever recognized that, you, you're like, yeah, I believe that. I believe that I was born with sin, not just these cute little Symptoms that I have a hard time with know this condition that I can't seem to do anything without. But you're like, yeah, no, I, I believe that. I, I believe Jesus paid for that. Then you're made righteous in his sight. So justified and righteous, meaning God through Jesus has made us right with him in good standing. And so there's probably a lot of you who've, who've, who've heard this before, but it, it begs to be repeated. God made a way to be in a relationship with his heavenly father, with himself, through Jesus. When we could do nothing at all, he paid it all. And so with Adam, again, the, the disobedience of one man brought death to all people. But the obedience of Jesus brought life, not to everybody, folks, but to all who believe. To all who believe, we were stuck, we were done, we had no hope, there was no way out of this sin problem, but the power of God made a way. I love this statement. I want you to remember this statement, especially as we kind of walk and navigate this series, and it is this. The problem of sin in us required the power of God beyond us. Say that with me. The problem of sin in us required the power of God beyond us. At our worst, Jesus gave us, freely gave us his best. I'm cleaning the Sour Patch dust off. <laughs> so um, I want to talk to, to two individuals in the room real quick categories of people. Um, for those that have placed their faith in Jesus that are here tonight, those that, who would say, yeah, I, I believe this. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. Hey, I could argue, I could argue that the most lost person in the room is the believer who's forgotten their need for a Savior. I could argue with those of you that somewhere along the line have placed your faith in Jesus, 
You said, hey, I, I, I was saved. Maybe that's your lingo. Maybe it was at camp when you were 8, 9, 10, 12 last year. But your relationship with Jesus has some cobwebs on it. Maybe Jesus in your life is that spare tire. Only really comes out in emergencies. So I would argue, hey, some of you are like, no, I'm, I'm good, I'm good. I mean, I'm, I, you know, like, I'm, like, I'm good. Hey, I would, I would just strongly encourage you that, hey, maybe look at your life and maybe you're unashamed in some ways of what the gospel has done. Maybe you're unashamed of this news. So here's the thing. I also know that some of you, you, you have a vibrant relationship with God. And, um, but like when you hear this, unashamed of the gospel, like, but how do I do that in my sorority? Like, oh, you know, like, I don't want to like be like in people's business, you know? Um, hey, well, I, I know that this, this message, this idea, this truth, I, I believe it. Um, I believe that it is good news for my life, but I, I feel like I don't want to like be like the street corner preacher person and like really offend somebody. Well, I would say like, hey, it, it, I struggle with sharing my faith uh, sometimes. I, I shy away from it um, at times. And honestly, it's just, and it can be easier to let it be something I just know to be true. And if that's you, it's just easier for you just to know, hey, this is true in my life. I would just say, hey, don't be ashamed. For those of you in the room who have never placed your faith in Jesus, um, and maybe it's for reasons that, well, yeah, I've heard about this sin thing before, but man, if you only knew, if you only knew how many things I have done, how many things I have said, how many things that I feel like will just leaves this massive gap between me and this God who says he will love me no matter what. Well, I will say that nothing, and this is the crazy scandalous grace that we see, nothing disqualifies you for a relationship with a God who loves you. And this gift, this gift of salvation, this gift of a relationship with Jesus, with your heavenly Father, <laughs> it's free. It's available to you. And all you have to do is come to church every Sunday. No. All you have to do is show up in the living room and, and sing 2.5 worship songs. No, all, all you have to do is, is do this and jump through that hurdle. No, all you have to do is just believe in what he has done on our behalf. The Apostle Paul, one more time, said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then for the Gentile, for in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteousness will live by faith. Again, faith just believing in something that is true and committing your life to it. Believing in God and what Christ has done for us to make our salvation possible to make our right standing with God possible and committing ourselves to it. So what I wanted for us to do tonight in the next few minutes uh, before we go on a small group is um, I wanted to love you well 
and respect you well enough to give you some space to process um, what you've been listening to, what you've potentially been hearing. And so uh, I'm going to actually ask um, this amazing band to come out and play a song in a second. And um, uh, Jacob and the crew, they'll they'll clear this um, out as well. But I really, really would love for you to um, just process um, some of the things that you've been experiencing here at the living room, some of the things you've been thinking about in life, some of the things that I talked about this evening. And um, the song that I wanted them to play uh, is really just an opportunity for you to reflect. I want you to listen to the lyrics. Okay, this is not a stand up and worship song. However, you can do that if you want. But the idea is that through these next few minutes that you would really reflect on what you've just heard. And before they start in, I want to share one last story. And um, it's about a dear friend of mine uh, named Brad. And Brad most recently just lost his father. Um, His dad passed away um, a few weeks ago. And um, uh, it was obviously hard. Um, It's always hard when you lose anyone. Uh, No matter how they live their life, um, joy and sorrow are both there. And so um, because I love Brad and I knew all that was going on, uh, most recently I, I, you know, I went and had lunch with him and I said, hey, the only objective here is for you to talk. Let me know how you're doing. Um, And then he lets me know how he's doing, but he's kind of giving me some of the details of what went down. And so essentially they kind of knew Brad's dad was trending towards his final days and um, it started to really look uh, not so great. And so they call him. So Brad and his wife, Jade, hop in the car, go to Raleigh, North Carolina, and they go to the hospital. And there is his dad um, in kind of the last few hours, so they think, um, looking lifeless, no eyes open, um, just what you would probably imagine, just a still body in the hospital hooked up to all sorts of things. And so He's like, okay. And so they start to talk or like, and the doctors are like, hey, yeah, this is it. I'm probably not going to have much more time. And so Brad and his family are like, okay. And they, they've had some time to process this for a little while. And uh, they go in another part of essentially the, the hospital and start to have a conversation with the staff about like next steps. Hey, it's, it's not an if, it's kind of what to do when. And so um, while they did that, Brad's, uh, Brad's wife, Jade, is kind of, you know, um, what they would call it, um, hey, sitting, sitting by the body, um, dad duty. And so she's just kind of hanging out, um, just in there in the room with them. And then all of a sudden, Brad's dad opens his eyes and doesn't really talk, grimacing, but opens his eyes. And he hasn't done that in a long time. And so Jade doesn't really know what to do. And so she reaches out to Brad. She, she texts Brad and says, hey, your dad has opened your, his eyes. And so Brad's in this meeting. He, he immediately ejects from the meeting. He goes into the room. He sees his dad. He thinks, oh, well, this might be the last opportunity that I have with his eyes open. So that's probably gonna be the same with my family. So he calls his family and says, hey, you gotta stop that meeting now. This could be the last time we're around him where we could see his eyes. And when Brad gets to this part of the story, he says something that honestly, Ellen knows this, because uh, I cry every time I say it. He says that, as they're there, he and Jade next to his dad, and his dad is just kind of, you know, discombobulated and, and holding on in some ways, and his eyes are open. And his sister, Brad's sister, walks through the door. She sees his father in this state, and she says, Run to Jesus, Dad! Run to Jesus, Dad. 
And that is a beautiful picture where she saw this individual holding on to this kind of life that was bringing pain and torment and wanting to just say, hey, there is a place and a person that's better and makes all things new. Run to Jesus, Dad. And in the spirit of Paul being unashamed of the gospel, I have to tell you tonight that I unashamedly want to tell everybody in this room, whether you've began a relationship with Jesus, but you're far off, you're in a rut, you're struggling hardcore, you haven't had any time with God in years, you feel super disconnected, or you've never placed your faith in Jesus, I want to say, run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Because I've been doing that ever since I was 16, and it was the best decision and continues to be the best decision on my greatest of days and my most darkest of days. And so if you're holding on and you're hiding for some reason, and maybe you're like, you've got all this shame because yes, I am a Christian, but gosh, I shouldn't be going through all this and doing all this stuff and watching all of this stuff. Here's your opportunity. Jesus says, hey, come. You can come out of the hiding from your shame. Some of you have never ever considered a relationship with Jesus because you never thought it could even ever happen because of what you've done or who you are. And I would say, hey, Jesus is saying, hey, come on. Your life, your story, it's safe with me. Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus.